0: anybody else dealing with allergies these days a little bit? (laughs) On the count of three, everybody cough, okay? Just one, two, three, just get it out. (laughs) So we announced, as I mentioned a moment ago, we announced last week the start of a new capital campaign to renovate our historic building, essentially enhancing what is beautiful about this holy and sacred space, and updating what stands in the way of our being as hospitable as we want to be. Essentially, what we want, what we're dreaming of, is a building that is as inviting and as welcoming Uh, as the spirit of this congregation. We want the building to reflect who we are. This last week, we released a new video. Uh, We emailed it to everybody in the congregation. Uh, It's been on all of our social media platforms. If you've not seen it, I encourage you to do so. It's on our website as well. Uh, And it just sort of walks us through uh, I walk us through uh, the different parts of the building that we are proposing to be renovated. It's really helpful uh, to be able to see sort of the before and afters and sort of talk about why we are doing this and why it's important. So I encourage you to do that. We're calling this the Cornerstone Campaign as a nod to those uh, historic leaders of University of Christian Church who 90 years ago next year courageously laid the cornerstone to this sacred space right in the midst of the Great Depression. On the very day that the the incoming president, President Roosevelt said that the next day that all the banks should be closed to try and stave off uh, the Great Depression. But yet, on that day, we decided courageously to lay that cornerstone, to move forward, uh, to be the church at work in the world. And so, with gratitude for the sacrifice of those that have come before us, uh, it's time for us as a congregation to begin looking forward. Next year, we will celebrate 150 years as being the university's church, and and it's time for us to begin to look forward to see what we might be for the next generation and the generations after that. And so, too, in this series, we're, we're using this as an opportunity to look at some of the cornerstones of our faith, if you will some of the cornerstones of our lives, both as individuals and as a congregation. Last week, we talked about ministry. My friend Steve Wild was here, and he talked about the importance of ushering people into the healing presence of Jesus, and that sometimes, when we do ministry well, that it's hard on our buildings. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about gratitude, and we're gonna talk about prayer, and what I'm gonna suggest is that those two things are deeply intertwined, and so to help us, we're going to be looking at a passage from Deuteronomy, from the Hebrew Scriptures, what's oftentimes known as the Old Testament, where we find the story of the Israelites uh, that have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They've been delivered out of slavery from Egypt. Moses had led them. In many ways, this is sort of the defining story, the defining narrative of the Hebrew people, and as they're standing on the edge of the Promised Land, looking out, He reminds them of everything that God has done to them, done for them up to this point, everything that has brought them to this moment in their life together. And as they stand at the precipice, preparing to enter that promised land, he's giving them instructions on how to be grateful, but just as importantly, what to do with that gratitude. So I invite you to listen to these words from Deuteronomy 24, 26.
1: Reading today from Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramaean was my ancestor. He went down to Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, had given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God.
0: So I want to say a special welcome not just to those that are joining us online, but also those that are joining us on the radio. KTCU, we are glad that you too are a part of our worshiping community this morning. So a number of years ago, Kent Millard, who is now a retired uh, United Methodist pastor, he, he served for a number of years at a large church in Indianapolis. But prior to going to Indianapolis, uh, he served for a number of years at a church in South Dakota. And in order to take that position, obviously he had to move, not just himself, but all of his possessions, all of his family, uh, to this new place. And as sometimes happens in such a move, not everyone in his family was all that excited about this move. Kent had a son named Kendall who was in the second grade, and he made it very clear to the rest of his family that he was not having it. He was not looking forward to this move. He was not looking forward to leaving his school, his friends. He wanted nothing to do with this move. However, when the Millard family arrived at their new home, a a house that was provided for them, a parsonage, uh, Kendall was shocked as he walked into the room that was going to be his to discover that already there, someone had left him a gift. And this was a gift of of a brand new bright and shiny electric train set. His face lit up and he got so excited and he bent down and he saw on top of this train, there was a little note that said, this is a gift from the Rubin family to Kendall, we hope you enjoy your new home. Well, as you can imagine, he was excited beyond belief and he sat down and he started to play with that train. And for the rest of the day, even as his family was moving boxes around him, he sat playing with that train all day long. The next day, he came into his father's home office with his hands full of coins. He had broken up his Opened his piggy bank and he came and he just sort of laid all of his coins, all of his money right there on his dad's desk. And he said, Dad, I want you to give this to God. And Kent was surprised by his son's spontaneous offering. And so he says, So uh, I'm just curious, why are you giving this to God? And he answered simply, Just to say thanks. Just to say thanks. You see this boy had received a generous gift and he was so overwhelmed with gratitude that he wanted to give an offering to God just to say thanks. See I would say that is a kid that is grounded in gratitude. The truth is that all of us have received abundant gifts. Abundant gifts from the hands of a generous God that that God has filled us with blessings of life and of love, of family and friends, of, of community, of a congregation, of relationships, of resources. The truth is, whether we recognize it or not, our lives are an embarrassment of riches. All of us have received abundant gifts from the hands of a generous God In a book called Climb Higher, the authors write this, true inspiration to be generous occurs when we realize that all we have and all we are is a gift from God, that we acknowledge God's abundant gifts, we become grateful, and gratitude incites generosity. I love that phrase, gratitude incites generosity. In fact, a truly grateful heart will have no alternative but to be giving, to be a generous heart. And so the question before us this morning, and maybe the question before us in this season of our life together is how do we tell God thank you? When we consider all of the incredible gifts that God has given to us, how do we respond? Do we live lives as if, as if God has done nothing for us? Or do our lives reflect, like that little boy, that our that we are grounded in gratitude? Now, admittedly, I acknowledge that it is easier to do it sometimes in our lives than others. Right? Depending on where we stand, depending on the circumstances around us, sometimes depending on the economy, depending on our job situation, depending on our relationship status, there are times when it is easier to be grateful than others. Are you with me? Anne Lamott says this. She says, It's easy to thank God when things are going well. But life is much bigger than we give it credit for. And much of the time, it's harder than we would like. But it's a package deal, she says. And we know that to be true. I admit it. Sometimes living life grounded in gratitude can be hard simply because life is difficult. Elie Wiesel was a Holocaust survivor, author. He won a Nobel Prize. Just before he died, he was interviewed, interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. And she said in the midst of that interview, you know, there may be no better person in all the world to talk about speaking, about living with gratitude. Despite all of the tragedy you've witnessed, all that you've endured, do you still have a place inside of you to be grateful. And his face lit up, and he said, absolutely. In fact, right after the war, he said, I went around telling everybody I saw, thank you. Thank you just for being alive. Thank you for being a human being. Thank you. And he says, to this day, to this day, the words that come most frequently from my lips are thank you. And later in that same interview, he would go on to say, for me, for me, every hour is grace. Grace and gratitude, gratitude and grace. These these things are linked, these words are intertwined, they're interconnected, in fact, both in Latin and in Greek, they have the same root. Gratitude, grace, grace, and gratitude. Grace, as we know, is this unmerited gift Something we receive, but we don't deserve it. It's not something we can earn. This vizel says that life itself is grace. Life is this unmerited gift that each and every one of us has received. You know, this church, for me, this church is grace. You are the embodiment of grace in my life. And I suspect that many, if not most of you, could say the same things about the people sitting amongst you. This church is an embodiment of grace. And I'm thankful every single day for the opportunity to serve this incredible congregation. In particular, at this particular time in its life. This church is a gift to me, the embodiment of grace. In your worship bulletin, there are these little cards. And I wanna invite you at some point in the midst of the next several minutes to take just a moment and to list some of the things about University Christian Church for which you are most thankful. Because here's what we're gonna do. In just a few moments, we're gonna drop these in the offering plate. And what we are doing is we're creating a, a, a cornerstones of gratitude art display, I guess you could say, down in the reception area on the first floor. We'll be able to to see as a visible reminder over the next few days and weeks those things of which we are grateful for, the things for which the rest of us are grateful for. An opportunity for us to remind ourselves of just how much this church embodies grace. And I would say that if you were joining us online this morning, if you will email us, Send those in the comments. We would love to print those out and put those uh, on the wall as well. You may notice, uh, and you'll hear later in the service, that our children have already started this uh, and have listed some of the things for which they are most grateful for. So this story that we heard just a moment ago from Deuteronomy... Moses, as I said, was speaking to the people of Israel, and just as they're about to enter into the promised land, he reminds them of everything that God has done for them, everything that God has led to this moment in their life together. How God delivered them, how God gave them the law, this thing that unites them, that holds them together, this covenant with God and with each other. And as he's preparing to enter, he gives them instructions on how to be grateful as they enter the promised land. Did you hear there at the the end, towards, towards the end, verse 10? So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. The first of the fruit of the ground that you have given me. You see, he's reminding them that according to the law, they were to bring the first fruits, a portion of the harvest as an offering to God. In many ways, that's what we do each Sunday. When we take up the offering and we come and we bring it, we bring the first fruits of what God has offered us, provided for us for that given week. But for the Israelites, it was, it was to be a reminder that everything that we have is a gift from God. Moses was saying that, you know, you, you might be able to take credit for the harvest for the planning for the planting for the hard work for the digging the toiling all that you did for the sacrifice it took in order to bear that fruit he says but the ground the ground the fertile soil from which it grew that was a gift from god none of it would be possible without the ground there would be no fruit This is what God gives us, the ground, the foundation, the cornerstone, the stuff of life, the ground of our existence. And you may look at your life, you may look at your life and and say, you know what, I've got a great education, and I've worked hard, and I've toiled, and I've sweat, and I've got a, a beautiful family, some incredible friends, I've got a lot to be thankful for. And all that may be true, I would suggest that you take credit for the harvest, for the fruit of your life, but also to remember to give thanks to God for the ground, for the soil that brought forth that fruit, because all of life is built upon the ground. All of life is, is a gift. Life itself is a gift. Every hour is a gift. And the only right response to that gift is gratitude, to live lives grounded in gratitude. Real gratitude, to be grounded in gratitude like that little boy is a way of life. It sees all of life as a gift, that everything that flows in and out is the source, is a gift from God, and to live life thankfully. Meister Eckhart is a brilliant theologian. He once said, if the only prayer that you ever pray in your entire life is thank you, that would be enough. If the only prayer that you ever pray is thank you, it would be enough. Now, he's a brilliant theologian, and I would never argue with him, except to this point, to which I would say, yes, yes but only to a point, because I think at some point there has to be a response. That gratitude has to take root, it has to create some sort of an action. (coughs) Sort of like saying I'm sorry, but not doing anything to fix the problem that caused. There needs to be some sort of response. In many ways, that's what this whole series, you might even say that's what this whole campaign is about. You see, with our lives grounded in gratitude, we are invited, each and every one of us, to ask a simple question. We've invited you to pray every single day this guiding question to ask God, God, what do you want to do through me? And not just in terms of the capital campaign. I want you to imagine for just a moment that if every single person in this congregation, all 4,000 members, If we woke up every day and said, God, use me. What do you want to do through me today? I'm giving you the next 24 hours, use me as you would. What would we do together in the name of Jesus Christ? What could we accomplish if every single day that single question might shape our lives? I would argue that if that were the only prayer that you ever prayed, that would be more than enough. You see, it's a a question, it's a prayer that helps us focus on what God expects of us. Not what we want in life, but what God wants for us. Not what we expect in life, but what God expects from us. If our lives are grounded in gratitude, our response will be revealed in that prayer. And what will be revealed is that God doesn't ask us to do more than we can, but God certainly asks us to do all that we can. You may know that we are working with a consulting firm to help us with this capital campaign. We have been, not just for the last few months, but for the last couple of years, to help us prepare for this moment. And they have done a great deal of looking into all the aspects of our life as a church, Not just our finances, not just our books, not just all of, everything. The ministries, the programs, they've looked at everything. They've run the numbers. They've looked at the data. They've kicked the tires. They've read the reports. They've interviewed the key leaders. They've gone through it with a fine-tooth comb. They've done a tremendous amount of research. And a while back, they gave us a report. And do you know what they said about University Christian Church? they said that we're dreaming too small these experts in congregation says that we university christian church we're dreaming too small that with a congregation like ours with this rich history with a wealth of resources with passionate people that our dreams are too small that God is surely able to do more through us if only we would dream a little bigger, if only we would pray a little harder. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul says that, that God whose power is now at work in us can do immeasurably more even that we might ask or imagine. That God's power and love are at work in us and that through that power of that love that we can do more than we can ever imagine. In other words, we need to dream a little bigger. We need to pray a little bigger. So this morning I want to ask you this simple question. How big are your prayers? How much do you ask God to do through you? How much can you imagine working God working in and through you. Paul says that God is able to do immeasurably more even than you can imagine, even more than you can ask for. So when we pray, God, what do you want to do through me? I want you to give thanks. And I want you to pray big. Our lives, embarrassment of riches, a land flowing with milk and honey, Grounded in gratitude, our next steps revealed in prayer. Amen. Amen.
2: feel Where will I put my
3: published an introduction to Disciples' disciples Theology. A description of what happens in the meal that we are about to partake was contributed by two women, one of whom is a graduate of Bright Divinity School. In their conclusion about what happens in the supper, They write, quote, this is where we encounter Christ and remember his terrible death, and where we remember his resurrection. This is where the brokenness and pain of the world is made visible, and this is where we rekindle our hope. This is where our bodies are shaped for service and solidarity. This is where we learn to make room for others. This is where we encounter the living God. This is where we can see each other as we really are, as children of the living God, made in God's image. This is where we learn to risk living within God's economy, where all God's children eat together, and there is enough for all. Oh God, in the quietness of these moments of worship, we come to this table of thanksgiving, grateful for your comforting presence in our fear-filled world. In the midst of our human brokenness, we come to this table seeking wholeness again. Embrace us with your healing presence as we share the bread and the cup, symbols of your Son's supreme sacrifice for us. May it continue to remind us of your great love and the love that we are each called to share in our troubled world. In his name we pray, amen.